Market Lane Coffee respectfully acknowledges the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we live and work. We pay respect to their elders and to the history, legacy and contemporary cultures of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. To be an employer means to be in relationship with people and if you can support your team well and ensure that when they come to work they feel safe and they feel heard they will stay longer and they'll be more invested and you're kind of you're making something where the relationship isn't only transactional I think value-wise it's it's really hard to put a number on that but kind of everything else hinges on that so as you move outward into you know customer service and producing a great product and all of these things foundationally it's always going to come back to the individual and that relationship between the employer and the employee. Welcome to Coffee Up by Market Lane Coffee, a podcast for our growing community of like-minded businesses who want to serve delicious, ethical and sustainable coffees. My name is Tyson. In September of 2022, we hosted our inaugural Leadership in Hospitality event at our roastery and HQ in Brunswick East. These events are an opportunity for us to bring our community together and for industry leaders to share their experiences and expertise across a broad range of topics. For this first event, Kai from our HR team led a panel discussion on team development and culture. We quickly discovered that the questions we asked on the night of the event were just the tip of the iceberg, and our panellists had so much more to contribute to the conversation than the time allowed. So, we decided to follow up and record a podcast with each of our very special guests. The first of which being a conversation with Market Lane's very own Jenny Bryant. Since starting with Market Lane in 2010 and becoming a co-owner in 2019, Jenny has been instrumental in establishing a strong and positive culture, which has continued to flourish as Market Lane has grown to eight coffee shops throughout Melbourne, a thriving e-commerce platform, and a flourishing wholesale community. In this podcast, Jenny discusses Market Lane's approach to fostering a robust and positive workplace culture, what it means to be a people-focused business, and how Market Lane has scaled their HR department over the years as the team has grown. So without further ado, I'll hand it over to Jenny and Kaya. Hi Jenny, thanks for taking the time to sit down with us and talk today. Thanks Kai. it's nice to be here. We'll get straight into it. How would you describe the company culture at Market Lane and what are you doing to foster this culture and get staff to buy into it? I think the best way I would describe our approach is um, that we're quite people-centred always trying to think about the individual and as they come on the team, meet them where they're at, offer the training and support that they need to get them on board to do the job we've hired them for. But throughout the tenure, really trying to think about who they are and connect with them with what they need and what they're looking for in terms of their development. You say that Market Lane is people-centred. How do you get that message across to people. Um, Mm. I suppose a lot of people might have some baggage from previous employment or Mm. just baggage from their general lives that make it really hard to buy into that. How how do you like tell people that we genuinely are people focused? (laughs) I don't think you can say anything, any one thing that's going to make people believe that or feel it right off the bat. It's, I think like 
everything. It's, it's very relational. So when we bring people on, it's the beginning of a conversation with them. And the conversation starts with, you know, telling them that we trust them from the get go and that there are lots of ways for them to feed back to us, which we can probably talk more about a little bit later. But essentially there's no kind of trick or <laughs> sentiment that gets that across right straight away. It takes time. Building trust like any relationship takes time. So it's us proving to the team that they can trust us. And that's through being really consistent um, and being really fair and just ensuring that the way we choose to manage and kind of our approach and thoughts about management and just employment in general, that they're really consistent, that they're fair. They consider the individual that we, you know, empathize. We, we think about who that person is, you know, with each scenario and each individual, it's unique because it's a dynamic between the manager and that person. Um, so it's not something that happens overnight either. It's a, it's a culture and a way of thinking and approaching relationships that's, you know, been going on for a long time. And as our HR team has grown, which full disclosure, Kai's part of the HR team, um, you know, as it's grown, it's, it's things that, you know, slowly get shared and learned and absorbed over time, you know, incidentally through experiences with the team. You just spoke a little bit then about how building this trust and building this culture has taken time and, and is a constant evolution as Market Lane has grown, you know, mm. from one shop and a roastery at Paran to a much bigger roastery in Brunswick and many more shops. Mm. How has it evolved and how has our approach to that evolved and grown? Well, the scent, like the sentiment or the philosophy, like the kind of values that drive us and kind of are the roadmap for how we set up these relationships with employee employers um, is exactly the same, but we've had to respond to the growth and that's just been organic. So I'd love to say there was a grand plan for how we would manage it, but it was just organic. So the moments where we felt like it's a bit too much for me to manage on my own. We got a bit of help and, and Miller joined with the HR team and it, it kind of started with things like tasks being passed on. The way we roster people plays a really big role in the culture, both front of house and back of house, really. I mean, back of house isn't rostered the same way that people are in the shops, but kind of this idea to how people think about their time and manage their time at work, I think has been very conscious. So our approach has been to be really flexible with people. It's, it's very important, I think, as an employer to figure out where you can be flexible and how flexible you can be, and then using as much space as you possibly can in that flexibility. Because when you employ someone, you're taking on who they are and their whole life and everything that's connected to that. So their family and um, the relationships and things that happen along the way in life all the time to everyone. <laughs> um, so the roster was just going back to that idea of scaling, bringing someone onto the HR team to help support that growth. One of the first things usually that person does is start to manage the roster and you really get your head around the team and the team's needs and you start to become privy to where we can be flexible, um, working directly with individuals and communicating with them about things that happen in their lives. That means their roster needs to change at the last minute. You know, a lot of coaching goes on in that role and in that kind of taking on that skill set, like how we empathize with people in the moment, what the most important calms are when people need to talk to you about 
something personal that affects their roster. You know, initially it's always checking in with that person and seeing, are they okay? Do they need help or support? Do we need to direct them to help or support? And then it's kind of managing logistical the logistical situation. So yeah, we've grown by bringing people on to take on some HR tasks, um, not right away managing people. And then it becomes a very organic training and kind of mentorship through that. We now have four to five people working, supporting HR, but there are shop managers as well. So when we bring on, for example, a new shop manager, they have a specific induction and training into management and what it means to manage people, both from a logistical perspective, you know, how are we fair about the way we process things like leave or um, evaluations, but also more subtle things like what does it mean to be in a position of power? And if you're managing people under you, what are some you know new ways that you have to think about those relationships when they come up? You talk about the HR department at Market Lane sort of growing organically by passing on tasks. Was that informed by particular instances of growth? Or I guess for many businesses, having people work in HR or doing HR tasks isn't necessarily front of mind. Mm. Um, So what spurred on that decision to start passing on HR tasks? Well, just with more people, we just, we just needed more help. So, you know, I was doing very unofficially HR tasks, but without any training myself. Um, and then it got to be a bit too much. So Miller joined the team, who's been absolutely crucial member of the team and an enormous part of the business as it's grown. Um, she's now our head of HR and culture. And she actually did go on to get formal training and certificate um, because she was keen to do that. So we supported her to do that. And having someone that's interested in HR plays a really big role. So you can't kind of fake your interest in that stuff. Um, and it's been so amazing to get to have someone like Mila on the team, interested in it, so good at it, constantly advocating for the team. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't have enough time to manage people the way I wanted to. I wanted to be able to have more time and energy to invest in and connect to the team that I was managing and I didn't have enough. So Mila had to come on and help. And then the same thing happened for Mila where she didn't have enough time and energy to put into not just maintaining the management relationships, but also to look after unexpected things that came up or development for individuals in the roles that she was looking after. So we then needed to grow even a bit more as you know, because you came on (laughs) at that point. (laughs) Yeah. So again, it kind of comes down to management because you have to see in your team, are they pushed too much right now? Are they trying to do too much? When you care about people management and you're overworked, it's not a great combo because you really are caring about your individuals and you're not getting to support them the way you want. So I think being in check with those people and seeing, oh, they're overworked, too much is going on. Is it the case that they need a break and a holiday or actually is this an ongoing amount of work that we can't service at the moment? And we've been lucky enough that there's just kind of been people at certain points that felt like they were interested in these things and parts of the business and could come on and start to learn them slowly. Having people work in HR and having people be available to support, you know, front of house workers or back of house workers is a quite significant cost. And how does Market Lane justify that investment in people? 
Um, I think there's kind of nothing more important. <laughs> I mean, it's tricky if you're a small business and you probably owner operator doing a little bit of everything. It is hard to find extra time for people off the bar to, to manage things like this. But for us, it started as, you know, small add-ons to people's roles. So they, you know, were still working in the bar on the floor, for example, me, and then doing bits of HR as it was needed. And then, you know, slowly tipping the balance a little bit into more HR culture things and less on the bar as those needs grew. So I think, you know, a lot of people don't go from zero to one, like not having an HR department to all of a sudden hiring someone. Someone's usually doing it somewhere. It was a gradual thing for us, but in terms of like how to value it or measure it, I I can't think of anything more important. Essentially to be an employer means to be in relationship with people. And if you can support your team well and ensure that when they come to work, they feel safe and they feel heard. They will stay longer and they'll be more invested. And you're kind of, you're making something where the relationship isn't only transactional. I think value wise, it's, it's really hard to put a number on that, but kind of everything else hinges on that. So as you move outward into, you know, customer service and producing a great product and all of these things, foundationally, it's always going to come back to the individual and that relationship between the employer and the employee. So it's kind of easy for us to justify it. But of course, we've had to be creative and thoughtful about that work and who does it and how and and as we grow, what does that look like? So it might be that we know we have enough time across the team to manage in a certain way and we might more slowly throughout the year be doing development sessions or bringing in people for extra training. It might not happen all at once because we've got a long list of things we'd like to do, but we have to prioritize what's the most important thing now for us as a business and where we may be needing more development amongst the team. So definitely prioritizing those things. A lot of the things that we do at Market Lane might seem quite unique or different for a bigger hospitality business. Mm. And I guess I want to dive into that a little bit. Is the way that Market Lane is run by you, Jason and Fleur, is that informed by negative past experiences? Like (laughs) a, a lot of the decisions that we make in operating the business and how we treat people, for example, is that informed by bad <laughs> past experiences? It's probably a combo. There's probably some, we've probably had some experiences as individuals that we thought, ah, oh, yeah, I'm not gonna, don't wanna have a situation like that if I was gonna be looking after people. Um, and then probably a little bit of, oh, yeah, in life, I've got, you know, these successful relationships with people and they work because of these reasons. And that seems like something that we should transfer across to work as well. I mean, I've, I personally have definitely had experiences in the past where in a hospitality dynamic where it, all the employees were kind of assumed the worst of. So if you couldn't come to work one day, you know, management kind of assumed that you were hungover you know, no matter what. Um, And, you know, if you play out that scenario, if you always assume that of your team, which let's just say hypothetically, that's true 25% of the time. Um, The other times when someone is unwell or has a really tough situation is you lose the ability to connect to them and trust them and support them and build a bridge of empathy. You miss out on that and it's devastating, you know, and a lot of times you can't ever come back from that. 
I mean, we do talk about it a lot, but if you come from a place of assuming the best of your team, you're starting from a really positive place. And let's say someone was hungover and they called in, you know, and then you assume the best of them. They might walk away going, gosh, I feel kind of feel bad about that. Hypothetically, maybe <laughs> they walk away saying, oh, dang, kind of let down the team today. And they've been really kind to me when they think I'm unwell or something. And it's not the worst outcome for someone to kind of consider that relationship. And if someone's on the team, like habitually doing things where they're letting down the team, that's kind of another issue, you know, but, but in the one-off individual interaction with someone, they call you and say, I can't work today. Something's come up. And if we just respond with, are you okay? Do you need anything? Great. And then figure out the logistics later and even figure out if it's a pattern later or there's, there's a performance issue or something, figuring that out later, but in the moment empathizing it's like any friendship or relationship, you know, there's a lot of goodwill there. Um, and it's kind of setting you up for a much healthier dynamic. So yeah, I have been in situations where I wasn't always assumed the best of, and it didn't feel great. Um, I've also been in a position where I've been managing people and I haven't been able to support or manage those people properly because I didn't have the time or the resources to. And that really didn't feel good because I was kind of representing I was, I was in the middle, you know, <laughs> it wasn't my business, but I was looking after people and I really didn't like that feeling. So it's something we do talk about is for managers, do you have what you need to do the job that we expect of you? Is there something missing that you don't have is either a skill set or a time or a tool that is not allowing you to carry out your job? Because we don't want to impede you from doing this awesome job, you know? So yeah, there has been a few negative experiences. I think the other big one is flexibility. So quite traditionally in hospitality, there's not been a lot of flexibility for people. You clock on, you clock off. Um, and if you don't show up, you don't get paid and, you know, kind of pretty rigid black and white rules. And we've just kind of said, well, how flexible can we be? Because life is not, doesn't always go to plan. And to assume that people are just always available to work is just not true. So yeah, we've really tried to push the limits of how flexible can we be with people about their life? What types of employment opportunities can we offer? And if people want to learn or grow or develop, well, what with it, you know, in the means of their role and, and what they're doing, how much can we support them to develop further or gain new skills? Yeah. And then, like I said, I think positive experiences have definitely informed it as well. It's kind of trying to be a good observer of life um, and I guess pick up the tricks and tools you, you gain in life, in the world with friends and family and how those can transfer and how they can relate to and work in work as well. Being flexible and being empathetic and kind to staff all sounds really great in theory, but how do we make it work? What are the specific sort of measures that we have in place to be able to make all of those lovely things happen? Sure. That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. So it's really important that there are some things in place that you can rely on and that are really consistent and ensure that we are fair. So I think, you know, starting from an employee's first day, it's really important that how that team member joins Market Lane gets inducted consistently and considerately. So we have a handbook that we use that's been an amazing ongoing document that we are forever editing and updating. But 
um, in there is really some of the most important things that everyone needs to know, whether it's from like, you know, describing the business values or, you know, how to, you know, report back or feedback if you need to, booking annual leave and things like that. So the handbook has been in an awesome, steady foundational resource that everyone reads, everyone goes over when they start. The other thing along the way is performance evaluations or kind of scheduled check-ins. So for different roles, we have a a schedule of performance evaluation um, and those happen at different times to check in with team members to ensure that they're where they're at, where they need to be, but also offering an opportunity for feedback. Those get worked off of the same sheet, the same list of questions. So if you're in a barista position, you know, Everyone gets these same questions asked at these times. So that helps with consistency and fairness. Um, And then in general, thinking about feedback has been a huge thing for us, particularly probably over, I'd say, like the last six years or so. Like we can think that we're doing an awesome job and we can think that we're a great employer, but we have to ensure that that's true. And we also have to be really open to feedback for when things aren't working or trying to find out and listen to how we can improve. So feedback's been so important. We know that asking for feedback or trying to get feedback in one avenue never really works. You need to have multiple ways for people to feedback. Some people feel more comfortable anonymously. Some people want to do it directly. So we've got an ongoing anonymous feedback Google form that's at the bottom of every staff email that we send out weekly. So people can always click that link and just put anything in there. We have the feedback avenues through evaluations. And then we also do an annual staff survey where we we try to keep the questions consistent year on year. And we're asking big overarching questions about people's experience working for us. And that is a huge project for us. So we get all that info. We group it into different types of feedback and we report back to the team a few months later about what's in there. It also becomes the roadmap for what our our most important things are for the year. So it happens at the end of the year and then we look at it at the beginning of the year and say, right, well, we thought we were doing ABC, but we actually need to do B, C, and D because these other things came up that we weren't aware of, but that are obviously really important to the team. So feedback's been, yeah, really has changed a lot for us and has been super helpful. One other thing about feedback I think is important is that I think it can be really helpful for individuals in the team to know that they can feedback to multiple people. Of course, it's important that an individual knows who their direct manager is and that, you know, that is an ongoing relationship, but that other people are available and ears are open and ready for feedback because sometimes some people might feel more comfortable with someone else on the team for whatever reason. Yeah, so those have been in particular really good places and markers for us to look at throughout the year. For some of the people listening to this podcast, they might be listening and thinking, wow, induction sounds great. (laughs) A handbook sounds great. And I'm sure we would have had to do this at some point, but where do you start and how Mm. do you... Like, how do you make a handbook? There's no, I don't think you can Google how to make a handbook and get a bunch of answers from Google. But yeah, where did, how did we start that process? Well, I think it start, it started with, I think Fleur probably wrote a couple pages and mostly it was who is Market Lane, you know, practically who works at Market Lane and then what is the business's, you know, motivations and mission. And it was a few pages about that. And then really 
year on year, things just got added, you know, a code of conduct, things like policies around bullying and sexual harassment, like essential, really, really important things. And then, you know, kind of maybe going through our mission, vision and values even further and defining them better and more clearly and updating that, adding in more practical information that people need to know when they come on about their pays, superannuation and things like that. So again, not an easy answer, but starting somewhere, I think, you know, if you're looking for a place to start, maybe just jotting down what are your values as a business. If you if you've got a business partner or business partners, sit down and have a brainstorm together. What is it that we value? What is most important to us? Really fleshing that out and getting it on paper, and then looking through some of the HR stuff that it'd be really helpful to have some policies in there that when someone comes on your team, they know that you don't accept some things like I mentioned, bullying and sexual harassment, and then just treating it like it really is a living document that basically every time we induct someone, we have to edit something and add something, (laughs) something comes up. But yeah, I think those things are really helpful because when you induct someone, it holds you to it. And it's a reminder of what you believe. And it's communicating that to the team that this is what we believe and I'm I'm going to prove it to you. <laughs> so, yeah, just start with a page maybe and go from there. People listening to this might be feeling a little bit daunted or overwhelmed by some of this and going, oh. Where, how do I, how do I even begin to think about HR? I don't have the time or the financial resource. Mm. Do you have any great resources that smaller, maybe owner operated businesses might be able to use when they are feeling a little bit overwhelmed with some of this HR work? Yeah, definitely. It is really hard if you're literally working in managing and and operating a business every day to add on stuff. And the thing is stuff's going to come anyways. So yeah, finding resources that suit you are super helpful. My first recommendation would be the Fair Work website. So Australia has got a really great resource, fairwork.gov.au. And there's a lot of really straightforward answers to questions that people have about pays and wages, starting or ending employment and checklists that um, you might need. They have a lot there that you can access very easily. I know they have a really good helpline. So if you've got questions, you actually have read their website, but you still can't make sense of it. You can ask them to call you back. So we've definitely still use it where we've got questions and you can pop your question in and they'll find the appropriate time to call you back and try to work through the issue with you. So that's free and available to everyone. I highly recommend that. We've also had a few instances before Miller had some training in HR, specifically in HR, where we hired an HR professional to come in on a consulting basis for a couple hours and just talk through a couple issues that we we didn't know, we didn't have the, the knowledge of how to resolve. And so that potentially could be helpful if it's a bigger problem and, and fair work isn't enough to support you because you, you're looking at a consulting fee maybe of a few hours or maybe there's a you know follow-up email from them instead of a wage <laughs> for an HR professional. The last thing I'd recommend is uh, trying to reach out within your industry and connecting with someone else maybe that has a bit more experience or a bit more support and potentially asking, you know, to catch up or for some mentorship. It's not as common these days, I feel like, to have mentors, but I think it's always worth asking, even if it's just a coffee to work through an idea. I think sometimes we do work in silos, particularly with this type of 
work because it can be private or confidential, but there's a lot you can get out of, I think, mentorship from people who've been there before. Yeah. So I would encourage people to try to reach out and make connections with people within their industry. As we wrap up, I wanted to ask you if Market Lane had an infinite amount of resource, what is the wish list to be able to make people's experiences even better? It's mm, a good one. <laughs> I've got a list. <laughs> I think there are places where sometimes, you know, we feel limited in that kind of one on one time with people and my dream would be that we had even more time for things like inductions where we're not trying to induct someone over a couple of days, but we've got a lot of resource one-on-one to, to walk people through every bit and then to work alongside them for a long time. Like it would be really nice to have a buddy system that lasted quite a long time and that didn't you know affect the rest of the team or the shop's functioning. So that person is perfectly up to speed. You know, we do quite a bit of support in that transitioning onto to the team, but I don't know, we could always do more. I think also for development training for people who are in the position of managing people, I mean, I could think of like a training a week for a year of like a specific type of thing that I'd love to sit down and do with those people. And also getting in people externally to come in and just talk about people management and specific parts of people management. And that actually does extend on to wider training as well. Like the more time we had to train people on all the specific different things that they would love to learn about, whether it's part of the role or not, would love to continue to forever be offering those types of opportunities. And then I guess just having more time to, like I kind of mentioned before about HR resource, more time to connect to other businesses about what they're doing and what they're experiencing, both within the coffee industry worldwide and, you know, cross industries as well. Just having more opportunity to have those culture conversations to really kind of ruminate over some of the topics. Um, Yeah, those would be some of my things. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a great place to leave it. (laughs) Thanks, Jenny, for sitting down with us today. And um, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's my favorite topic. We hope you enjoyed that podcast. This was the first in our series of conversations about team development and culture. In our next podcast, Kai sits down with Hugh Murdoch from Wildlife Bakery. Hugh opened Wildlife in 2016, and the bakery quickly became a beloved institution in Brunswick East, attracting bread lovers from all across Melbourne looking for the best the city has to offer, while also embracing an incredibly strong culture within their local community. Thanks so much for listening and we look forward to catching up with you over a coffee soon.